Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. This is Johnny Tan, author of From My Mama's Kitchen, Food for the Soul, Recipes for Living. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio Show. My guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Amy and I will be having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive, Live Happy, 101 Stories About Creating Your Best Life. The book is co-authored with Deborah Norville, the anchor of Insight Edition. Good morning, Amy. Welcome to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. How are you doing this morning? I am fine. Actually, I, I rushed here to do this interview because I had <laughs> two different major things break in my house today. And I oh. was like, I have to get both of these fixed, have two different sets of workmen come and get them both fixed and still make it out to my office in time <laughs> for this interview. And I thought positively and I made it. So I'm happy. Fantastic. That's wonderful news. It is a pleasure to have you on air with me this morning. Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive, Live Happy is a very inspiring read. And I really love the stories that I've read. And somehow it really connects with me in so many ways because it's so inspiring. So congratulations on its release, which is actually today. Yes, yes, you are getting the very first interview <laughs> about the book. <laughs> Uh, excuse so, me for a minute. Let um, me do some little flips, you know. I'm so happy. Oh, okay. Do that. Do that. Just don't get hurt. <laughs> this is the age when we get those, we call them sports injuries, right? There it's you really go. really bad you when go. you get old right. enough and you can't even blame it on a sports injury anymore. But anyway, um, yeah, we're. I'm really excited about this book because it it has so much variety in it. And I think that I love it when we put out a self-help book like this and mm-hmm. I know that out of the 101 stories, there will be at least 10 that have advice that seems directly relatable to the reader. And, mm-hmm. you know, just implementing the advice from one story can be life-changing. And we have 101 stories here, so we have 101 chances for a reader to connect and find some new strategy for thinking positively, some new way to discover the silver linings, or to realize, wait, I have a lot of things in my life I'm thankful about. All these things that lead to us having much happier outlooks, all -hmm. the different methods are in this new collection of stories. So Mm -hmm. I'm very, very excited about it, and I have been watching us get a lot of interest from the media. We have my co-author, Deborah Norville. We have her, um, now she's going on, I think, four different national TV shows to talk about mm-hmm, the book, mm-hmm. and we actually had more invitations than that, but because she um, she actually tapes Inside Edition every single day, her mm-hmm. schedule is not open enough so that she could go on every show that invites her. So mm-hmm. we've had a tremendous response from the media for this topic. I thought it's really wonderful. The timing is great, especially with you know, the overall energy of the country, as well as the world in some ways, because there's a lot of things that we got to be worried about. And so the book's timing is fantastic. So what makes Chicken Soup decide to publish Think Positive, Live Happy? 
Well, I think that you have identified it. We're living in a time with a lot of negative news. A lot of people are unhappy about a lot of different things. People are worried about climate change and politics and how people treat each other, all the divisiveness in the country, and, you know, now maybe mm -hmm. a recession coming. I mean, all these things are very worrisome. And so it's important to look at your daily life and realize how good it really is and how many positive things you have to be thankful for. And so I thought that the time was right. In fact, I was talking to Deborah about it, and she was saying that they try to have some really positive segment on Inside Edition every single day because mm -hmm. they know that people need to see these positive stories to help offset all the worry and, you know, this cloud that seems to right. be hanging over all of us these days. Very, very true. What's amazing, I think, what you guys did is that you have a whole variety of people from different walks of life that are contributing to this wonderful book. But what's interesting, again, in addition to that, is that Deborah Norville seems to be a perfect fit as a co-author for this book. Yeah, she is a perfect fit, and and for more than one reason. One reason, of course, mm -hmm. is being the anchor of Inside Edition. She really has her finger on the pulse of society and what people are mm -hmm. looking for and and what they need. And because she runs so many positive stories on her television show, she has an idea of what's out there, the kinds of stories that we should have been looking for for this book, which we achieved. We had thousands of submissions. And she and I chose great stories to go in this book. And she was the one who narrowed the list of semifinalists down mm -hmm. to the 101 stories that made it in. And so we had her looking at the stories through her lens, which mm -hmm. is a lens of you know being very exposed to what people are thinking and what people are looking for these days. And then, of course, I have that lens as well because I read tens of thousands of stories from everyday people who are sending them in. You know, every day, hundreds yeah. of stories come in to us, and I get to read a lot more stories than we actually publish each year. We probably publish 1,000 or 1,200 stories every year, mm -hmm. but I've read three or four times that number of stories just to pick the ones that we publish because we do typically get 3,000, 5,000, 6,000 mm -hmm. stories submitted for any one book. So I think that she and I were a good fit. And this actually is the fifth book that we've worked on. She wrote the foreword for mm -hmm. our Think Positive book, which came out in 2010. Then she wrote the foreword for our Find Your Happiness book. And then she and I worked even closer, and she became a co-author for our Think Possible book, our book about the power of gratitude, and now this book. And, oh, speaking of gratitude, so she actually did a lot of research on the power mm -hmm. of gratitude to change your life, and she wrote a bestseller about that. So I've really appreciated that. I've learned a lot from her about how important gratitude is, how important it is to be able to count your blessings. Mm -hmm. It's really a mandatory part of being a happy person. If you do not have that ability to see the blessings in your life, 
you will not be happy. And the cool thing about gratitude, and we talk about it a lot in this new book, mm-hmm. is that you do not have to be born a naturally grateful person. You can actually add on that character trait. You know, you, there aren't a lot of character traits that are desirable that you can actually add on later, even if you didn't <laughs> get those traits at birth, because half of yeah. us have that natural ability to see the silver right. linings, to count our blessings, to always say, mm-hmm. well, yes, that happened, but still I have my health or whatever it is. So half of us have that ability and half of us don't. The half who do not have that ability naturally as part of their personality can actually add it on because all you have to do is deliberately practice gratitude, whether it's uh, writing down three things a day you're grateful for or five things a day or or whatever it is, a journal, mm-hmm. whether it's writing things on a piece of paper, throwing them in a box, and then reading mm-hmm. them at the end of a month, whatever it is, by actively practicing gratitude, you can actually make it a natural part of your personality. It only takes about a month. So that's amazing. And we have a lot of stories in the book from people who did actively practice gratitude and found that it became a natural part of their daily lives. Mm -hmm. And they talk about how it turned things around for them. So, yeah, there's a lot of really great things that we incorporated in this book based on our exposure to what makes people tick. Fantastic. Deborah wrote an excellent introduction for the book. Can you please share that with us, please? Yeah, she started it off with this old Yiddish saying, man plans, God laughs. (laughs) And I think that was very relevant to Deborah and me because both of us were diagnosed with cancer while we were working on this book. Two very healthy, very fit, you know, women mm-hmm. uh, who all of a sudden were hit with this completely unexpected diagnosis, even though we felt absolutely fine. And so that was really strange. We we decided to do this book together um, about a year ago, I guess. And then I guess a couple of months after we decided to do it together, I was diagnosed with cancer. And then a few months after that, she was diagnosed with cancer. And then we were both like in the clear. Well, I'm in remission and she's really in the clear. Um, Mm -hmm. And we were both in those better positions while we were choosing the stories to go in the book. But I think that experience influenced both of us in selecting stories. And I think that's probably why she started off her introduction with man plans, God laughs. And then she talks about how sometimes you, your plans have to change. Bad things mm-hmm. happen and change the course of your life, but you have to learn how to use positive thinking to get through it and practice your gratitude and use all of these other strategies that are laid out in the stories in this book. And so she talks about that in her introduction. She talks about... Um, also, how stepping outside your comfort zone can make you feel a lot more positive and a lot happier. So she gives an example of creating you know, a list of 100 items that are new to you that you're going to try to do mm-hmm. every year. She just gives a lot of – she points out a lot of the stories in the book that give you useful strategies that you can use. And um, so she, you know, she gave a little tour of the book in the introduction and then uh, we went into the 101 stories. It's a wonderful introduction. 
one of the things that get to me is that, you know, we tend to live our life in a routine. If there's one routine that we want to always adopt is the gratitude routine. Be loose in your lips in terms of saying thank you for everything. However, the actual living of one's life, you've got to be able to do different things because that keeps your sense of alertness and excitement going all the time. Yeah, yeah, and we have some of those themes in the book. Like in Chapter mm-hmm. 1, we talk about living in the moment and how important that is because if you're focusing on how much you're enjoying the moment that you're in at this very moment, and you do that for every moment of every day, all of a sudden you're really a lot happier. <laughs> and then in Chapter 2, we talk about counting your blessings because that's so important. Yeah. And in Chapter 3, we talk about trying new things because that really makes people happier when they try new things that they were afraid of or that they thought they weren't going to like. And then Chapter 4, we talk about the power of attitude and how you can just deliberately – adopt a different attitude or you mm-hmm. can pretend here's a, sometimes you can pretend to have a positive attitude and before you know it you actually have a positive attitude that really works well like if you're having a miserable day but you <laughs> decide you're going to reset and you're going to walk into a room and you're going to smile and stand up straight and look like you're having a good day well then people will react to you like you're having a good day they'll react to you a lot more positively and by pretending you're having a good day, all of a sudden, a couple of hours later, you'll say, oh, I'm having a good day. And then in <laughs> Chapter 5, we talk about how sometimes it just takes a few wise words. So that chapter is called The Words That Changed My Life. And then in Chapter 6, we talk about finding those silver linings. And that chapter is called From Lemons to Lemonade. And then in Chapter 7, we talk about stepping outside your comfort zone because we get so many stories from people who talk about how empowering it is and how it made them so joyful to have tried new things. Mm-hmm. Chapter 8 is find your inner strength. And we had a lot of people talking about going through really, really big challenges and how you, when you're going into one of these big challenges, you don't realize how much strength you really have within you that you're going to be able to call upon. It's really surprising how much strength we have. And when I was diagnosed with cancer, because I had read so many stories from people who had mm-hmm. been surprised and discovered this inner strength, I just assumed, okay, I'm going to find my inner strength because everybody else does. And so right. I actually um, knew this was going to happen, but most people are surprised mm-hmm. at how well they can navigate really awful changes in their lives. And then uh, Chapter 9 is called Make Every Day Count, and it's another way of, you know, living in the moment. And Chapter 10 is called Reboot Your Life, and it's about people who just push that reset button and just start it over and realize it doesn't matter what age I am, I can push this button and reset my life, and I'm going to (laughs) start, like, Today is today, and tomorrow is going to be a whole different life. And then Chapter 11 is a, it's called Make a Difference, and it's another great tip for living a positive, happy life, and that is to engage in some kind of volunteer work or even reaching mm-hmm. out to a stranger in the moment, paying, paying the $2 at the grocery store they didn't have, and they were about to have to put things back, whatever it is. 
people feel really good when they reach out and make a difference. Right. So that's a little tour of the book. Wonderful. One of the things you talk about just now in Chapter 1 that is the title of the chapter is in the moment. Thinking positive for a moment is easy. How do we sustain it, though? Yeah, that is something that I've had to learn how to do because and I talk about this in um, story number one in the book. So that's my story in the book, and it's called Facing the Fear. And I've had to work really hard to live in the moment uh, because the type of cancer that I have is a type where you go into remission after your first, you know, several month long mm-hmm. round of chemo, which, you know, I had a five month, five months of chemo that ended in April. And then, and now I sit and I wait, you know, and I go for checkups every three months. And right. unfortunately I have this very rare cancer, um, it's only diagnosed in a few hundred people a year in the United States. Um, but it's treated the same as ovarian cancer. And so all of the statistics that are being told to me are ovarian cancer statistics. And unfortunately, this cancer comes back for, uh, for 80% of the people mm-hmm. at my stage. I was stage three. comes back, after, you know, you go into remission and then, a year or two later, it comes back for 80% of the patients. So my story is about how I negotiated with the statistics in my head <laughs> and <laughs> decided, well, I think that based on this factor and that factor and that factor over there, that my chance mm-hmm. of it coming back is 50%, not 80%. So that makes me feel a mm-hmm. lot better. Um, but then even so, even though I've negotiated down my statistics in my own head, still, how do you deal with the fact that you might have a 50% chance of your cancer coming back. And with this one, if it comes back, they're not going to cure it. So that means that Mm -hmm. you're basically on chemo for the rest of your life, whether the rest of your life is two years or 20 years, you're going to be on chemo the whole time, which is not Mm -hmm. fun. Uh, So that's what my story is about. It's about how I have to learn to face this fear So, like, I'm six months into remission now, and I have theoretically another six months before I even have any possibility of the cancer coming back, and I am so enjoying this period. Mm -hmm. And I've got my head now where I'm thinking six months before I even have to worry about it. That is a lot of time. That's like (laughs) 180 really great days. Right. and I also now I have this rule that if I start panicking, and that happens more at the end of the day because we're all more likely to worry about things as the day goes on, and you know we're really bad about that at night. So I just decided that my rule was that if I start thinking about it, um, I'm only allowed to think about it from 8 a.m. to 8.10 a.m. every day. And, of course, by the time <laughs> 8 o'clock in the morning rolls around, you know, I'm getting ready for my day. Right. I'm not having any negative thoughts at all. I'm, like, eating breakfast and exercising. And and so that's how I've kind of tamped down the panic. And so mm-hmm. I just talk about that in my story um, because 
you know, for all cancer patients, there's always a fear of it coming back. Mine happens to be a little worse in terms of statistics than a lot of the other cancers. Like Deborah went through cancer too, but hers was a lot better because she didn't have to do chemo or radiation after her surgery. And her surgery was pretty scary because she had thyroid cancer and they operate really close to your vocal cords. And so there was a risk that she would have damage to her voice, but nothing bad happened. She sounds great. And so, yeah, it's very, very strange. We mm-hmm. we started this book together when we were both cancer-free, and we both got diagnosed while we made this book. Um, I think it probably made us even more aware of what we needed to look for in terms of selecting the stories. Well, you two ladies are certainly the backbone of this book, no question about it, and role, definite role models. But before we get to that, I love the cover for this book, that elephant with the nice drink and so forth. So what's the story behind the catchy book cover? <laughs> well, <laughs> we did we did a book two and a half years ago called Random Acts of Kindness. And right, that I remember that. Soup for the Soul book, oh my gosh, that did so well. And of course, it was a great topic, Random Acts of Kindness, because we put it out in early 2017 and people were really looking for good news they were really they wanted to see people treating each other well but that book had an elephant on the cover and Mm -hmm. so we decided for this book that we would go and look at illustrations by the same illustrator so we went and looked for another elephant from the same artist uh, because this is an illustration not a photo Mm -hmm. obviously and Mm -hmm. so we put this together like the elephant did not have sunglasses on in the original illustration and he was not holding Mm -hmm. up a tropical beverage. Right. (laughs) So, you know, we always take the the stock photo and then we doctor it up according to what we want. Yeah. Um, And I just, I wasn't sure. I thought either people are going to love it or they're going to hate it. But I remember showing it to the sales force at Simon & Schuster, which is our distributor. Mm -hmm. And, everybody reacted positively to it. Like immediately there was just like a laugh and a buzz in the room. And so (laughs) I think we got a winner on our hands and I'm hoping that when people see it at the stores starting Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. September 24th today, that they will be like, what is that very happy looking cover (laughs) with this elephant sitting on an Island in the sun, enjoying a tropical beverage. So um, (laughs) that was the story behind the cover. We just wanted to convey this, positive attitude and of course going on vacations is always recommended in order to maintain a positive thankful attitude well the cover certainly put a smile on my face it's just and that leads to happiness yeah (laughs) wonderful by the way you're listening to from my mama's kitchen talk radio our podcasts are available on apple's itunes stitches radio blueberry podcasting tune in radio Mixcloud, and Google Play. I'm Johnny Tan, your host, and my guest for this morning is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive, Live Happy, 101 stories about creating your best life. The book is co-authored with Deborah Norville, the anchor of Inside Edition. 
Well, Amy, let's talk about the stories in the various chapters. Let's start with chapter one, Live in the Moment. And this is a wonderful story. Notice, Appreciate, Multiply by Judy Walsh. Yeah, so uh, Jude has her own technique for bringing happiness into her life, and it involves journaling, which so many of our writers use so effectively. She says that she always has been able to view things positively, like people sometimes found her too optimistic. But then Mm -hmm. when she was in her 50s, her life changed. All these bad things happened. Her marriage ended. Her child had really bad medical issues. Then Jude got breast cancer. Then her mother died. So she was just trying to get through each day. And so she kind of forgot that naturally positive attitude that she had had until then. And then she thought about it. And she thought, i got to start noticing the good things in my life again. And so she started with really small things, like if the sun was shining, she noted that and she appreciated it deliberately. Or if she found a penny on the ground, she appreciated that. And the more good things she noticed, the better she felt. And she decided to call all these good things abundances. And then her friends would start asking her about her abundances. So she started writing them down in a (laughs) journal, and she's been doing it now for several years. And she said that it completely turned her life around and back to being very positive again. So that was her technique. It's a beautiful story because all it does is make us start pay attention to everything that's around us. And we take it for granted, to be honest with you. I do that, and I don't pay attention. But then during difficult moments or sometimes it's, it's the you know, the ability to increase one's level of awareness that contributes to one's happiness. I agree. The awareness is really important. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's so easy. It's so easy to do this. You know, there's so many things you can do to improve your life that take a huge amount of work. Like, let's say you want to lose 10 pounds or get more fit. It takes a lot of work. You got to be hungry. You got to (laughs) go and work out. You know, you got to, you got to do, got to put those sneakers on. You got to go to the store and buy those vegetables. Whatever it is, it's a lot of work. This this thing about incorporating gratitude and thankfulness into your life it takes like a minute every day. It's really really fast and easy, and it works within a month. So mm-hmm. this is one of those life changing strategies that is easy to implement and extremely effective. So I think if people came to me and they said, "What's the one piece?" of advice you would give to people based on all of the chicken soup for the soul books you've ever worked on. What's the best piece of advice for changing your life? Mm -hmm. I would throw out this gratitude idea. Fantastic. Well, speaking about that chapter two, the title of the chapter is count your blessings. And the story that I like is Thanksgiving times 100 by Scott Kaufman. Yeah, this is great. And you know, Thanksgiving's only two months away, so Mm -hmm. Scott's church would always have a special evening service the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and they always did two things at that service. They would have a food drive, and then they also talked about something called the list. So the food drive was what you might expect, although really big. Um, They would put paper bags underneath the seats the week before, and then the night of the Sunday before Thanksgiving, everybody would bring in those grocery bags filled with food Mm -hmm. and 
put them on the steps up at the front of the church, so it was really, really great. Um, the other thing was this thing called the list. And so the church bulletin had a page in it with you know, with lines numbered 1 to 100 that were blank, and you were supposed to write on it 100 things that you were thankful for. And everybody was trying to do it like as fast as they could. So Scott thought, all right, I'm going to try to do it. And he was shocked that he filled in that whole list, those 100 blank lines, in four minutes. And he was shocked because he was actually going through a rough time, wasn't feeling good about himself, felt like everybody was achieving more than he was achieving. Always he was feeling sorry for himself. So then after he wrote that list of 100 good things in his life, he decided to fold it up and carry it around with him. And every time he started to feel sorry for himself after that, he would pull out the list and he still carries that list with him today, even though it's been years. And he says at the end of his story, choosing to have an attitude of gratitude has made me more than happy. He -hmm. says happiness is a feeling that comes and goes. But in his case, the gratitude list brings him joy. And he says that joy is like gas in the tank of my soul. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's beautiful. Well, it's human tendency to always remember all the negative things, but not necessarily the positive things. And that list. It's such a powerful yet simple sort of reminder for all of us if we can get one done. Yeah, it's true. I think writing a list or writing down three things a day or whatever whatever method you use, for a lot of people, writing down those things really makes a huge difference, and it is so easy. So true. So what's your favorite story in that chapter, chapter two? Well, there's another one I love from Mary Potter Kenyon, who I met in Iowa last year, and mm-hmm. she is just great. Her her husband had had um, cancer, and he had gotten through it, and they thought they were okay, and then and then he died, and it was really a shock. And she turned to journaling in order to help herself, and so in the first couple of days after her husband died a lot of things happened that she was grateful for, like her sisters rushed to her side and helped her. Uh, She was also grateful that her daughter Emily had had this really unexplained compulsion to hug her dad and tell him that she loved him every day for the previous three months, which had just come out of the blue, and they didn't really understand why she was doing it. But now Mary was Mm -hmm. very, very happy that her daughter had done that, She was very grateful, and this is amazing. They had had a life insurance policy that had lapsed, and they they had decided to reinstate it, and they had reinstated it less than a month before her husband died. And that was so good because then they had the life insurance. And also she was really grateful for the fact that she'd been having some really serious conversations with her husband about what he would want her to do if he died first, now, they hadn't talked about that when he was having his cancer fight, which he had won. But it was really good they had these conversations after his cancer fight was over because who knew he was going to die of a heart attack. So she wrote all of these things down, and she kept on writing. And it's been seven years now since her husband's death, and she has filled seven more of these journals in that time. And 
she just talks about how much it's really helped her. She happens to be a certified grief counselor also. So Mm -hmm. she's a real expert in this area, and this is the method that has worked for her. Terrific. It's a great story. I mean, again, it's, it starts off with the simple things of writing certain things down that gives you that special, wonderful memory that cheers you up. Mm-hmm. So true. Chapter three, give it a try. This is a wonderful chapter. And I really like the story from Dread to Dream by Lindsay Detweiler. So Lindsay was taking a summer class at college, and she was not happy that she had to be on the college campus, you know, in the summer. And it was even worse because the summer class was called The Literature of Health and Healing, and all the stuff they read focused on death and illness and the idea that mortality is inescapable. So... She was not happy, 23 years old, and having to read all of this dreary, you know, fatalistic stuff. She had no idea that reading these things that she dreaded so much would actually change her life and help her achieve dreams that she didn't even know she had. But what happened was that a few weeks into the course, Lindsay realized that focusing on end-of-life stories was giving her perspective and realizing that you got to chase your dreams while you're living. And mm-hmm. it helped her realize that her really big dream was to see her name on the cover of a book. She hadn't even realized that her secret dream was to be a published writer. And so she wrote a novel, and four years later, still in her mid-20s, she had a publisher for that. <laughs> and after that, she wrote more books, She was published over and over again, even by one of the really big publishing houses. She even hit the USA Today bestsellers list. So she now is an English teacher and an author of many published Mm -hmm. thrillers. So she concludes her story by saying, sometimes the things we dread the most become the things that change us the best. So I thought that was terrific and a really good lesson to those of us who are dreading doing something <laughs> because sometimes you just have to step outside your comfort zone, do that thing. You might really be in for a positive surprise. Yep, so true. In reading her story, the thing that comes to mind is, I'm sure we've heard of this quite a bit, how do you want to be remembered? Then all of a sudden, you start thinking, wait a minute, now I better get my ducks in a row. <laughs> in yeah. a good way, that is, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's so. true. And then, you know, there was another story mm-hmm. in that chapter, that Give It a Try chapter. So here's something totally different. And um, I thought this was a great idea and something that uh-huh. we could all try also. So this is this story by Mark Mason called Seeing With Your Heart. And Mark decided to make a practice of talking to strangers and engaging with strangers. And so he he starts off his story with an example of this. He was walking through the parking lot of a shopping plaza, and he saw this young woman standing next to a grocery store. She had a big pile of shopping bags. She was waiting for her ride. And he said, hello there, and how are you today? And she smiled right back and she said, I'm fine, sir. How are you? And he said, I'm doing well. Thank you. And then he kept walking. Mm -hmm. And then he heard her say, thank you for seeing me. 
Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. He turned around and went back because she had been feeling invisible. And just by talking to her, he had made her back into a person worth noticing. And so he turned around, he went back, and they talked for 20 minutes, and he got her whole life story (laughs) and learned about this family tragedy that had prompted her to move from Louisiana to California, where she was starting all over again. And it was just so cool. And, yeah, he brightened her day. But I think Mm -hmm. when you do that kind of thing, your day is brightened so much because he got to make a human connection. And we like making human connections with strangers. It really makes a difference. He says that he has done this hundreds of times. He has just started talking to a stranger, and he says he never gets anything other than a positive response, and it makes him feel so good to make those human connections. It's a beautiful story. I mean, you're talking about contributing to someone's happiness for the day or for the moment. And in this case, it's genuine. I mean, there are a lot of people out there that may say hi, you know, sort of, and you can tell that that's just sort of shallow. But in this particular case, if you're genuinely speaking from your heart, people can detect that as well. Yeah, I think I think that's yeah. She didn't interpret him as being like a creepy man who was you know coming <laughs> on to her. She she took it the right way, which was that he was being yeah he was being positive and nice and recognizing that she was a person of value instead of just walking by her like she didn't exist. Right, right, so true. And that brings us to chapter four: the power of attitude. And the story that I love is a new way to think of thinking big by Carrie Bunny. Yeah, I love this because <laughs> I'm a five foot three woman and sometimes I feel really small. Sometimes I feel like when I'm in a store or something that these big tall men they crowd me and I mm-hmm. feel like mm-hmm. they don't even see that I'm there and they just don't even understand like how they're taking up all the space and, and <laughs> crowding me. It's, I mean they don't know. But also, sometimes women are just not treated well if they're sitting there. We're sitting there, kind of small and looking meek. And so Carrie was in this really terrifying college class, and the professor was really demanding. He was actually a retired criminal lawyer, so he would basically interrogate all the students <laughs> like they were up on the stand and they were a hostile right. And so she, like, she was really having a hard time with this class. She hated it. And then she was in this other class. It was actually an anatomy class, but they put up this TED Talk by Dr. Amy Cuddy, and it was about body language and how you can take on a high power or a low power position with your body. And then Dr. Cuddy explained in this TED Talk how to assume a high power position where you mm-hmm. stand up straight, you square your shoulders, and you take your arms and legs and move them away from your trunk so that you look bigger. And Carrie started doing that in the terrifying class. And as <laughs> soon as she took on this high power position and looked bigger in her chair and she spread out her books a little more on the table in front of her so that she was taking up more space, <laughs> she said the effect was astounding. The professor treated her politely. He didn't belittle her anymore. And she ended up really liking that class, all because she changed the way she sat in that class. 
So I thought that was a pretty cool story. It is. It's sort of uh, what she's talked about is years ago, I've learned about this. It's sort of that commanding presence. The military has it. When you walk in the room and you know it, they don't have to wear their stripes on their shirts or their uniform, but you know when a general walks in. <laughs> yeah. They have that commanding presence. <laughs> that is true. Chapter 5. The words that changed my life. This is a wonderful, wonderful chapter. And what do you like most in this chapter in terms of story? Um, well, I really like um, the story by Courtney Wright. So, mm-hmm. and I could kind of, I, well, I would really, I, I was identifying with her parents more than her because um, <laughs> I have kids in their early 30s and Courtney says that yeah. she was in her early 30s. And she was teaching, and it just wasn't working out the way she hoped. And so she quit her teaching job, and she moved back in with her parents while she switched careers. So she was working in a new, completely different job, and she didn't really like being back under her parents' roof again. And she admits in the story that she was acting like a real jerk to her parents. Like she was (laughs) telling her mom she was buying the wrong kind of food, and then when her father tried to give her advice she would ignore him and she was always complaining that her mother was doing her laundry the wrong way her mother was doing her laundry like be thankful right and then she said her dad was watching the wrong tv shows and she was just awful she was just really awful and one day her mom said to her as she was complaining why don't you just try smiling more i mean her mom was fed up with her and so of course courtney thought that was just another stupid suggestion but her mom went on and said, don't wait for things to get better. Make them better. Mm-hmm. So as, you know, grown children sometimes do, even though she told her mom that's really stupid, the next day she decided <laughs> to follow her mom's advice. <laughs> and she started smiling on purpose, even though she didn't feel like smiling inside, right? She just mm-hmm. forced it. So she forced this smile for weeks. She was deliberately smiling at people, even though her life was awful. And then it became a habit. And the smiling was working even on herself. She was feeling better. And all of a sudden she was getting along better with her parents. It turned out she loved her new job. She made friends at work. And at the end of that year of being back at her parents' house, she had saved enough to buy her own place. She moved out. She started running again. She started to find joy in life. Then she finally dated the right kind of guy who made her feel even happier. (laughs) And so everything changed because she forced a smile on her face, even though she didn't feel like smiling. So I thought that was a great story. I'm glad you chose that story. I love that story as well. You know, I'm a big proponent of smiling souls happiness. (laughs) I'm so glad you chose that story. The other story that I really like in this chapter is, Serendipity by Suzette Martinez-Standing. Tell us about that. That's a wonderful story, too. So this story, after we all read it, I was talking to um, our associate publisher, Diet Corona, and our senior editor, Barbara LaMonaco, mm-hmm. and we decided we're going to try this sometime. So this is a great <laughs> idea. In Suzette's family, they did this on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. Um, and they had, you know, a multi-generational group of people, you know, from a six-year-old to, you know, grandparents. And mm-hmm. 
after dinner, Suzette said that everybody should write down a valuable lesson they had learned in the past year, and then everybody dropped that advice into a bag. And then each person randomly chose a piece of advice from the bag and read it out loud. And before they read out loud the piece of advice they randomly chose from the bag, they had to say what their goals for the year were. So like one of the cousins said, well, my goal for the year is to get my driver's license. And then he pulled out a slip of paper, you know, advice somebody else had put in. And the advice was know all the facts, don't be impulsive. A lack of knowledge can lead to a fatal mistake. So that seemed to be good advice for a new driver. And then another person in the family said, well, I'm going to take this really tough exam this year to be accredited for my job. And when he reached into the hat to pull out, you know, this advice from a random family member, the advice was don't waste time watching so much TV. It's time you never get back. <laughs> and everybody was laughing because this guy was a movie fanatic and always watching TV <laughs> when he should have been studying for that exam. So everybody pulled out, you know, a different piece of advice that seemed perfect for them. And the right. lesson was that, you know, even those people in your family who are the nearest and dearest to you, but you might not think are the best sources of advice, even randomly, they provided really good advice. So we had Courtney's mom telling her to smile, and now we have Suzette's story about pulling out random <laughs> advice from family members and finding it to be completely, you know, relevant and applicable. So I thought that was kind of cool. It's a wonderful game to play for this holiday season. <laughs> That's what I thought, yeah. <laughs> You're listening to From My Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. Our podcasts are available on Apple's iTunes, Stitches Radio, Blueberry Podcasting, TuneIn Radio, Mixcloud, and Google Play. My guest is Amy Newmark, the publisher and editor-in-chief for Chicken Soup for the Soul. We're having a conversation about their latest release, Chicken Soup for the Soul, Think Positive, Live Happy, 101 Stories About Creating Your Best Life. The book is co-authored with Deborah Norville, the anchor of Inside Edition. I'm your host, Johnny Tan. Amy, Chapter 6 is kind of fun. From Lemons to Lemonade, and the story is A Positive Message from a Time Traveler by Nick Walker. So if you've been watching the Weather Channel, you know, watching hurricane coverage, <laughs> you have seen Nick Walker. He is the guy with the... I guess it's kind of silver hair, um, and I had the pleasure of meeting him actually last year when we had uh, a dinner in Atlanta for our Atlanta area contributors because he's written for us more than one time. And anyway, Nick Walker is popularly known as the weather dude, and that might remind you of who he is, but he didn't <laughs> start out as a meteorologist. He started out doing you know regular news coverage and yeah. He, you know, would have, like, assignments forced on him he didn't want to do. He would get rejection letters when he wanted to switch to, you know, a bigger market. He had all kinds of career disappointments. And he talks in his story about how he was cleaning out a closet, and he found this big stash of rejection letters that he had held on to. And he says each of those letters represented a path not taken. But then what he says is he wasn't totally in control of his future, but in fact, every one of those rejection letters, every one of those closed doors actually just guided him as much as open doors did. 
And he was rejected from all kinds of TV jobs that he really thought he wanted. But then he ended up with a much bigger job in a bigger market, which he wouldn't have gotten if he had been accepted into one of those smaller jobs. And then he never would have imagined then that he would end up turning into a meteorologist and then getting a job at the Weather Channel, where he's now um, a contributor to the Weather Channel. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so he looks back now and he realizes that even though he couldn't control those events, they led to much better results than he had ever hoped for. And I, I guess I would say it's like you're out sailing in your boat <laughs> and you let the wind take you where it wants to take you instead of where you thought you wanted to go. And then all of a sudden you discover that the wind has taken you, you know, to this beautiful cove that you never would have found otherwise. Right, so I thought that right. was a really nice way of helping readers deal with disappointments, remembering that that guy you broke up with, well, maybe that's what's going to lead mm-hmm. you to the guy you should be with, or that job you didn't get, maybe that led you to the job you really wanted more. You just didn't know you wanted it more. Like every disappointment just means that you go through a different door, and maybe you find a better future when you go through that different door. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's allowing faith to sit in and just flow with life's rhythm, basically. So it's a beautiful story. Chapter 7, Step Outside Your Comfort Zone, The View from the Back Seat by Joan Borton. This is really cool. Yeah, so Joan was a real type A person and was always in charge <laughs> at her job. and she, you know, she was the boss. And then she lost that job. She lost that career that she loved. And she ended up taking two part-time jobs. And in these jobs, she was far from the boss. She was subordinate to everybody, including people Mm -hmm. much younger than her. And even one of the jobs required doing some business travel. And she had always been the driver when she had done business (laughs) travel before. And now she was not only not the driver, she was relegated to the back seat. And she was so surprised at how easily she could switch to not being in control. Mm-hmm. at both of these jobs. And so she says her marriage actually improved as a result of her learning that she didn't always have to be in control and that she could actually enjoy not being in control. And so I thought that was a really cool story. <laughs> and, you know, I loved the fact that she called it the view from the back seat because it wasn't <laughs> just about specifically being put in the back seat, but it was about taking a back seat in various parts of her life and and realizing that that wasn't so bad. Mhm. Mhm. So true. Reading the, her story is just the uh it gave me this concept of the fact that you're all stressed out all the time because you're in charge. So you know what? Let's give it up for a moment and be a participant and a follower instead of the leader. And you'll find yeah. that you really enjoy life. Yeah, that sounds good to me right now. Because <laughs> I'm always in charge. It's a pain to be in charge. <laughs> Chapter 8. Find your inner strength. Creating a new story. And I love this story. By Noel Nelson. So, do you remember that Woolsey fire in Southern California that was mm-hmm. in um, mm-hmm. November where it, like, it just roared through Malibu and all these people were losing these hillside homes and you know, right. the fire was going right down to the water. So when when that fire started, 
um, Noelle didn't even think she had to worry because the fire was 20 or 30 miles away from her house. But sure enough, it got her house. And she barely had time as it was coming to her home to just grab her dogs and her laptop computer and her mother's jewelry. And she lost everything. The, the house burned to the ground. Everything was gone. And, you know, it wasn't just, like, expensive things. She lost things like the American flag that was given, you know, to honor her father at his funeral or um, a picture of her sister as a baby, like these things that are irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. And so she, you know, was really mourning for everything that she lost. But at the same time, she started to see how wonderfully people were treating her and all these friends and even perfect strangers were bending over backwards to help her, you know, come, please stay at my house. Please let me pay for your groceries at the store. Um, she had to move, and the landlord, she found somebody who had a place that she could rent. It was hard to find places to rent because so much of the housing stock was burned up. And she found a place, and then the landlord dropped the price to under her normal price, and Noelle was so grateful for that. So she came away still mourning the loss of her things but feeling very, very good about humanity. It's a beautiful story. I think it's some. Sometimes you have to go through that sudden hardship that kind of opens things up. And you, uh, I guess the word I'm looking for is that when you get to a point where you're so vulnerable, and then you start appreciating, like, wow, they're really wonderful people out there, and it really boosts your morale up. Yeah, it does. It does. I mean, it's. You feel really good when you're going through a mm-hmm. hardship and, and the perfect stranger steps you know, right. out of her way to help you. Uh, it helps give you perspective also. That's you know, right. That, That's right. I mean, you're alive. You're, you're, you know, you're still here. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. that much that you lost all your stuff. <laughs> chapter 9 is a wonderful chapter. Make every day count and love the story, The Bucket List by Laurie Kempt. Yeah, so Lori Kempf Bosco decided after she heard a stranger talking about it that she would make a list of 100 things she wanted to accomplish each year as she looked at the new year. And some of them were really big, hard things, you know, like travel to a certain country. And some of them were really easy things like try a jawbreaker because I haven't had one of those candies since I was a child. And so she discovered that Doing these things makes her so happy, and she's done all kinds of cool things, like going to Europe, learning how to kayak, going on, you know, a scary amusement park ride, Um, and it has really added joy to her life, and I think that is so important. You know, gratitude is super important, Uh, but also trying new things really does make us happier. So true. I love that story simply because, especially nowadays, I just saw something on TV yesterday where there's actually a company that helps you to accomplish your bucket list. <laughs> and for oh, people that neat. can't afford it. Yeah, and for, especially for people who can't afford it, you can tell them what you want. And that includes now from doing stuff like skydiving. <laughs> so don't give up on anything. <laughs> That is very cool. Yeah, yeah, so true. And uh, Chapter 10, Reboot Your Life, 
Born at Age 55 by Barbara Helen Batucci. And this goes back into that bucket list too, in a way, but uh, in a different sort of a slant, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, this, so this whole chapter, Reboot Your Life, is about people basically saying it's never too late to start creating a different future. And uh, Barbara was really motivated by her uncle, Art. Her uncle, Art, said that he started his life at age 55, and that's when he decided to start dating and married the woman who became, you know, his wife. Mm-hmm. And it made Barbara realize that it's never, ever too late to start over. And by the way, her uncle, Art, is now 102 and a half <laughs> years old. So awesome. when he restarted his life at 55, he was truly only halfway through. Like, that was that's really right. middle age for him. Um, and it so it gave Barbara the motivation to do that herself and realize that it's never too late to start over. It's amazing. Chapter 11 is another one, Make a Difference, Operation Sunshine by Jan Hopkins Campbell. Beautiful story. Yeah, so in her case, um, she was a single mother, and she was working three part-time jobs, but she still had to take her mother to dialysis three times a week. And she ended up, instead of feeling all put upon and, you know, like, oh, woe is me, she had this positive attitude where she saw the blessings in her life, and she looked at all of these dialysis patients and thought, what can I do for them? And so she ended up making little gifts to bring to the dialysis center, seasonal gifts. And so, um, like in September, she went and she got miniature apples and pumpkins and leaves, and she made little gift bags for people. And in October, she made, like, treat bags for Halloween, but um, non-edible, you know, just like fun little Mm -hmm. decorative Mm -hmm. items. And she started taking care of all the dialysis patients there. And then when her mother passed away, she kept doing it. Jan kept going and bringing gifts to the the dialysis center. And so this is how she created joy in her life, as busy as she was. By making a difference to other people, she made a huge difference in her own life. It's a beautiful story. It is an inspiring story for the upcoming holiday season for people who want to do something different and contribute to someone else's happiness. So it's just a beautiful story. Can you give us a preview of what we can expect from Chicken Soup this fall? Yeah, we have two more books coming out in three weeks. We have our Christmas book coming out. I know putting Mm -hmm. out a Christmas book in the middle of October sounds a little early, but that's (laughs) when the stores want them because they want to start setting up their Christmas displays. So Chicken Soup for the Soul is beginning to look a lot like Christmas. will be on sale in mid-October. Uh, I would perfectly understand it if you didn't buy it till November or December. Uh, but it's a beautiful book. with this. It's a blue cover with this gorgeous winter scene. And I know you and I will be talking about it, but not in yes. October. You and I decided to talk about it at a time that's closer to Christmas. And yes. then we have a really great book coming out uh, actually on Election Day, first week of November. And it's called um, The Forgiveness Fix because – In my experience reading all of these stories and being an observer of the human condition, 
the two most important key traits that you need for being happy. One is gratitude, which we've talked about a lot today. And the other is you've got to use the power of forgiveness. Because if you're carrying mm-hmm. around all those resentments and disappointments mm-hmm. and all those bad feelings, it weighs you down and you'll never be truly happy. So we put together an amazing book with 101 stories about how people used forgiveness to fix their lives. So I think that's a great book going into the holiday season when you're going to be seeing all those family (laughs) members, you know? That's wonderful. That sounds terrific. As we close the show, what recipes for living would you like to share with our listeners this morning? Well, I actually really learned a lot from this book. I Mm -hmm. think that I was the first reader to be helped by this book. And I made a list of five ways that I learned that positive thinking can improve your life. So one of the things I learned is that you can turn everyday disasters into joyous moments. And that there was a story in the book from a woman who had a hundred, I guess, crickets get out in her house. They were supposed to be for the lizard. So she has a really Mm -hmm. good story about how she turned that disaster into a funny (laughs) moment. And then, um, Of course, practicing gratitude to permanently change your perspective. That's another recipe for living that I got from the book. Also, trying something new to improve your life. That, you know, we have story after story about how important it is to step outside your comfort zone. And then relaxing and giving up control once in a while. That can be really fun, especially if you're a type A person. (laughs) And then finally, repositioning how the world sees you. And that means, you know, smiling deliberately, even if you don't feel like you're smiley inside, or adopting that power pose like Carrie did. So those are my recipes for living that I derived from the book. That's beautiful. That's really, really beautiful. Amy, thank you for the great recipes for living and for spending this hour with me. I'm from my Mama's Kitchen Talk Radio. To all our listeners, please join me in three weeks. Tuesday morning, October 15, my guest will be Maria Nabu. She is the creator of the popular workout based on African dance, aerobic with soul, and also an award-winning author of the Dancing Soul Trilogy books, Africa's Child, America's Daughter, and Drumbeats, Heartbeats. Maria and I will be having a conversation about her remarkable life's journey as a mixed-race orphan child raised by Catholic nuns in the boarding school in Tanzania, challenges as an immigrant in the United States, and the harsh experience of losing almost everything when her Florida home was affected by a hurricane. For additional information about this show and future shows, please go to fmmktalkradio.com. As always, Amy, it has been a true pleasure. Thank you again. Have a blessed, wonderful day. Thanks a lot, Johnny, and thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you. Bye-bye.